Welcome back to Mindful Sales. I'm your host, Anise Kizzelbash, founder of Mindful Sales Training. My guest this week is Digital Marketing Director at 123Reg, Nick Leach. 123Reg have over 800,000 startup and small business customers. Yes, you heard that right, almost a million. And they focus on helping customers be successful online. In a former life, Nick was an entrepreneur where he co-founded Houston Digital after spotting a trend and specializing in the early days of internet search marketing. They successfully took on bigger established companies to win new business. Now, in this interview, Nick shares the importance of developing authority, the dangers of over-reliance on one lead generation strategy, and what makes an exceptional salesperson. You will be surprised and more advice from the perspective of a business owner to help you thrive. So let's head on over to the interview now. Hi, Nick. Hi, Anise. How are you? I'm very well. And you? Yes, good. Thank you. Good. Thanks so much for your time on this lovely afternoon. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Yeah, good. So, um, our, as you know, our, our podcast is um, we help entrepreneurs learn on their journey and their startup journey. And since you were an entrepreneur in your previous life, I think what you did starting a business in a challenging time and how you grew it will be of great value. So can you tell us a little bit about Houston Digital, the, the business that you and Henry started? Okay, yeah, no problem. Um, Houston Digital, it was formed um, as a media planning and buying agency, um, but servicing a particular sector, servicing what were newly emerging businesses within the kind of internet infrastructure market. So these were companies like e-commerce software, web hosting, domain name registration, uh, data center providers. Um, and these were very fast-growing businesses. Um, and the circumstance was that at one point, the business owner, who would just be himself or herself and a handful of colleagues, would be dealing with the media directly. And the rate of growth meant that they just had no time to continue to do so. So they would ask advice from the media. You know, and I was working in, in sales um, within, within a, a publishing house um, for advice about who could do this service for them, what agency should they turn to. And we both saw a series of recommendations that we had made for particular agencies turn sour, whereby the, the kind of individual clients went from doing everything themselves and really being in touch with what was going on with their media planning and buying to being very disconnected, being poorly serviced by agencies and for really losing feel for what was going on in the market. Um, so we launched to essentially fulfill the same role as those agencies, but allowing the client to be much more closely connected with the media. We shared a lot more information. Uh, our clients, of course, got access to experienced people. Um, it was the same person who was doing the account management as who was doing the planning and buying. Um, and because the sector was growing fast, it, it, and because we had established relationships, and it, it, it was relatively, um, it was relatively easy to pick up clients. What changed for us um, was the advent, I guess, of effective search engine advertising. And pretty much over a six-month period, we tried search engine advertising when the former 
a business called Overture or formerly GoTo launched in the UK, which of course became uh, Yahoo uh, uh, online advertising. And of course, Google AdWords launched. We, we transitioned over a period of six months or a year to be buying originally media within magazines, newspapers, and so on, to, to buying them almost entirely online and predominantly within search engines. Um, and it was actually at that point, although we had done well in terms of building relationships, it was at that point that we started, I think, really to offer good value to our clients because we had quickly built an expertise at search engine marketing where there were few others that, that could, could do that at that time. Hmm. So it was, it, was an, it was a niche that you'd carved out. That's right. And, um, and that was, you know, a lot of that was luck. It was about spotting a trend, uh, a media trend, and being early into, into it and, and making it a specialty. Uh, there were there were peer agencies at the time that decided to stick with traditional media, and they they had a really hard time. I think it's you know if you try to launch into the search engine marketing sector these days, it would be a lot more challenging. You need a lot more sophisticated sales strategy than we needed at that time. You know what we needed at that time was um, strong referrals and the ability to kind of speak from authority and authority of course but from the experience of, of being effective in that market yeah so you're obviously competing with bigger established brands agencies how did you compete with them well i, I think that the, the the challenge that bigger agencies had is that they, they they didn't have the kind of clients that were typically fast to adopt the medium so they couldn't really say that they had good experience in it um and every single person working in our business was working on search engine advertising. We, we became less knowledgeable, of course, about other traditional mediums. Um, but at that time, search engine advertising, it was seen as a, a specialty that was worth looking beyond a traditional agency for. And I think although within three or four years, bigger agencies had built that speciality, there was a window of opportunity where clients saw the benefit of the medium and wanted really the most effective practitioners to deliver that service for them. And that was when we, you know, we saw the kind of fastest growth for our business. Mm -hmm. Sounds like what's happening now, or what has been happening now with social media and content marketing. Well, content marketing has been around for a while. So what was your biggest sales challenge? I know it sounds, you said it was easy to, relatively easy to get clients, but what sort of challenges did you have? Well, I think it was, rather than a sales challenge, what I would call it is actually an organizational challenge. Because we were very focused on looking after our customers, on customer service, um, we were typically poor at investing resources, energy, time, money, at finding new business. And that works very well uh, whilst the market grows fast because your reputation, you, you find that your existing clients speak volumes for you. Um, but but the, the challenge is that uh, within those fast-growing periods, we didn't actually allocate any specific resources to, to, to traditional sales, i.e. ringing people up or you know uh, attending events and so on. And so um, we found that there was a certain period where our kind of sales pipeline slowed down because 
you know, the recommendation engine wasn't working as effectively as it used to. Um, so it then become, it became about, okay, well, let's actually, let's actually carve out uh, a particular, you know, set of tasks here that are, that are about developing sales and developing a pipeline. Let's invest some time and resources um, into understanding what kind of triggers are going to generate leads and, you know, uh, how we're going to be best positioned to convert those leads. Once we kind of defined that, and it wasn't a quick and easy task, it wasn't an, an overnight switch, you know, it involved quite a cultural change, one from going the, uh, a culture where we were entirely focused on existing customers to one that was split between existing and prospect, you know, prospecting and uh, future customers. Um, once we made that change, we were kind of set again and we were able to understand you know, how many leads and uh, we might be able to generate going forward and how many sales uh, of those leads we might eventually be able to convert. Okay. And so what was the most effective lead generation strategy? The, within that period, well, I would call it an early form of content marketing because effectively we um, held our own mini events um, because there were, you know, you know, there's kind of no single source of authority within digital marketing there were lots of kind of emergent brands that were starting to speak uh, and deliver what was considered the best practice advice. So a brand typically like e-consultancy, but marketing directors, CMOs, and so on, they were really hungry for advice and also to check what they were learning with their peer set. So we launched um, a series of uh, events and round tables where we, we, we would get experts to speak. And, you know, it's a fairly common practice these days, although it wasn't happening that, that much at the time. We would get experts to speak or we would speak ourselves and it would be a kind of open forum, fairly small group, uh, probably 12, 15 people, where they could learn a little bit of expertise and then we would raise a series of topics to be openly discussed in a kind of non uh, kind of, you, you know, it, it was an environment where they didn't mind revealing a little bit about the challenges they were facing and the kind of, um, you know, where they were looking to take their business next. But so, so what I would say is that it was a pretty soft sell. You know, through it was it was about connecting with potential buyers of our services and positioning ourselves as authorities, and then giving some value in terms of the information. And, and advice that we were giving. And then what follows out of that are leads. You know, they're further conversations, they're follow-up meetings. But at no point were we overtly pushing our services within that. It was positioned very much in terms of here's a, in terms of a thought leadership opportunity, uh, a chance for people to learn and a chance for them to, to, to solve some problems in their business yes. without being sold to. Yeah, and absolutely building trust and credibility, authority for your brand as well. Yeah, 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 that's right. And um, so how did you keep in touch with these prospects once you'd done the presentation and then what was your keep in touch strategy? It actually wasn't that sophisticated. I think these days I would probably, you know, construct a content pipeline to try to understand what, you know, their continuing issues were to, to, to be continuing to send them relevant information, reports, advice, guides, whatever it was. At that time, we just literally did two things. We, we, um, we made sure that we re reconnected with them over the phone. Um, and, you know, on, on a, well, we didn't like to push the frequency too high, but maybe monthly or two monthly 
cycle. Um, but we also added them to a mailing list, and that would be really, you know, we, we would offer general online di- or digital marketing advice to that mailing list. It would be stuff that we published on our blog. Everyone got the same stuff. It's not that we weren't sophisticated, you know, we didn't kind of divide out the type of content according to the needs of the particular buyers. But I suppose it did serve a continuing purpose of keeping our brand in their, you know, in their focus and showing that we could speak with authority on particular topics. Mm-hmm. And your client, I saw in a blog post, I think it was on LinkedIn, about um, why you don't why you didn't take clients for lunch. I think that was it. And your client retention was extraordinary. So what role does yeah, sales... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah that's... Um, yeah, we, we always retained clients much, much better than our peer set. And I think that that... Uh, yeah, and it came down to the service that, that each client got. You know, I, we, we allocated a lot more time and effort per client um, than the typical model is for those types of businesses. Mm. Um, it meant that we devoted less time on sales. It meant that we were less profitable than our peers, but it meant that we continued to retain our clients and anyone who is running an existing business with clients know it's a lot easier to retain than to win new ones. Um, so, and, and you see, the, the buying lunch thing, it always it, it came down, I guess, from the time where I worked in publishing sales where, you know, the mantra that seemed to be handed out was to just get yourself in front of your potential buyer in whatever environment you can possibly think of and what's going to get them out of the office. It's, well, it's taking them out somewhere to an event or buying them lunch or buying them drinks or whatever. And that probably did work for a period of time um, when you were selling to people who were quite young who, who perhaps wanted to get out and wanted to, you know, a, a free lunch or whatever. But it doesn't really position your brand as, well, hey, I'm an expert in this. I'm, I'm offering you good value. It positions you as someone who's good to buy lunch for. And that really, I don't think, speaks very well about, you know, the potential uh, that that you offer in terms of looking after that client going forwards. Mm, I, I agree with you. I, I never fell into the buy lunch category either. <laughs> yeah. So it, what it do you think? Point. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think makes yeah. an exceptional salesperson? Because you've you know you're a salesperson, you've hired them too. So what do you think makes one stand out and successful? Well, I think I think there are two separate things, you know, and I I remember back in again publishing sales, certain people were revered as amazing salespeople, you know, perhaps they were they had, you know, and I think we always typically think of, you know, the traditional view of salespeople of having killer lines or, you know, being the last person at the bar or whatever. But there there were two things. There were one is the ability to never miss a deadline. You know, if you say you're going to do something, you do it. You you never, ever let anyone down that you consider you might want to sell to, actually, or that you've sold to in the past. Don't let, you know, once you've already sold to them, don't let your service drop to them. And then the second thing is the ability to, I guess, you know, it's a combination of listening and and empathizing with the the, the potential client in a way that doesn't seem like all you're looking for is an opportunity to sell. I guess that is something that is typically called having social or emotional intelligence. 
the ability to speak to someone and understand their point of view and try to help them with it. And even if that doesn't take you any closer towards selling to them, um, I, I think it, it's always quite clumsy if you're in a potential sales circumstance, a meeting, and the salesperson is simply gathering information in order to spit back at you as benefits for their service. You know, it seems so contrived, much better to form a relationship by empathizing, by trying to solve problems. And there will be circumstances where you can explain the benefits of what you do, um, but you don't need to force that. Um, but that's the two things that I think, you know, make an effective salesperson. Brilliant. Can you tell us why the, I agree with you 100% on the first one about what, when you say you're going to do it, do it. Can you explain why that's important? Well, I, I think because it's rare, because it's rare, you know, we, we all have deadlines uh, that we ourselves have to hit and we set deadlines for other people, you know, whether it's, it's, it's whether you have customers or whether um, you are a client of, of someone else's. We all say we're going to do things by a particular time. And it's so common for those deadlines to be missed. I think that hitting deadlines and doing things by when, you know, by, by when you say you're going to, is it, it really builds reputation really quickly to be seen as a reliable person. People, I think, take reliability over flashes of inspiration. You know, 99% of the time, I would choose someone who I could always rely on rather than someone who was occasionally brilliant, but also occasionally flaky. Um, well said, yeah. So, yeah. 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 I agree. So tell us what you're up to now over at 123 Reg. And yeah, because and, you're working with startups now. So what are you up to? That's, that's right. So I'm the... Um, Digital marketing director at One Two Three Reg. So I look after um, our paid and organic search, our content marketing, our social channels, our, our paid online advertising as well. Um, and yeah, One Two Three Reg. It um, has eight hundred thousand startup um, or small business customers, and it's anywhere from someone who has a great idea for a business who's on the way home from the pub and thinks that that's my killer idea, and they come into us and they register their name to, to to start their first steps on the web, all the way through to established small businesses, local shops who want an online presence in order to take advantage of of winning some business on the internet. And we focus all of our effort into trying to help our customers be successful online. And that, that's because the, the, biggest the, the biggest reason we lose customers is not that they find something cheaper elsewhere or find something better elsewhere and, and go to a competitor. It's because their businesses go bust. So we put all of our effort into helping them, you know, build a good site, helping them get more visitors on their site, help them convert more of their visitors into customers, help them communicate with their existing customers via social media or email marketing. That's our whole, you know, our whole effort, and that's the thing that it, it, it should really, you know, is, is what the brand is all about. Wow! So not just launch, but grow as well. That's right. Grow and retain and 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 be successful online. 
Brilliant. So where can tell tell us uh, our readers where they can find you? Obviously, there's clues in the in the title. <laughs> yeah, one two three reg. You can search online for one two three reg. I would urge anyone um, to also check out our blog. So you can just search actually online one two three reg blog. But uh, there is loads and loads of advice for. Um, anyone who's thinking of starting a business or is running a business and wants to get more out of the internet through all of the topics I've mentioned already. So we have, we have webinars, we have uh, guides, we have how-tos, um, and we'll actually be, um, we'll be rolling out that content in the near future to include um, a full suite of online uh, business training. So effectively e-learning modules, we've developed 60 e-learning modules where people can can really come to us and we'll, we'll give them a little um, quiz where we can help them understand where where they're strong and where they where they might want to focus their learning and then we can present the court we present the courses that are most relevant to them and they can track their progress and um, see how they get on compared to their peer set brilliant sounds good i'll, I'll make sure the yeah. link's in the in the blog that's great uh, but nick thanks so much for your time no problem. It's been great speaking with you. This has been and, fun. Uh, yeah. Thank good. you. <laughs> so that's it for this week's episode of Mindful Sales. Thank you, Nick, for your time. You can learn more about 123reg on 123-reg.co.uk. That's 123-reg-reg.co.uk. On Twitter, at 123reg. You can follow Nick on Twitter, at Nick underscore Leech, L-E-E-C-H. And there are some links over on my blog at mindfulsalestraining.net. Look for the blog titled, What Makes an Exceptional Salesperson? So thank you on the other end of the earphones, on your speakers, you lovely listeners. Thank you for your time and attention. I really appreciate it. And I love hearing from you. So get in touch. You can find me on Twitter at Anis, A-N-I-S-Q-I-Z, or through my website, mindfulsalestraining.net. If you want more nuggets of advice, subscribe to my free newsletter on my website and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. So until next time, remember, over-deliver after you've sold to your clients, right? And the remember the importance of doing what you said you were going to do. It demonstrates strong character and builds reputation, help you stand out, okay? So customers prefer reliability over flashiness any day of the week. So I look forward to hanging out with you again real soon. This is Anise Kizilbash signing out. Ciao for now.